GamesillaMedia.com. Noise Land Arcade. Welcome to Noise Land Arcade, your favorite Simpsons podcast. I am Craig WK, and with me is always is my co-host Sean the Arcade Phantom. Do you got your tinfoil hat on, Craig? Um, what? Do you have your tinfoil hat on? Mm, should I have made one? We're gonna peg down where the Simpsons live in this episode. My God! Oh, you get ready for it. Are we really? We're going to get pretty close. We're going to get real close in this episode. Well, I'll be damned. So get your conspiracy hats on, people, because we're going full Simpsons conspiracy <laughs> in this episode. Today, we're talking about three men and a comic book. Sean, when did this episode first come out? This episode first came out on May 9th, 1991. Yeah, in this down-to-earth episode, Bart... Martin and Milhouse all go in on purchasing a valuable comic book and are unable to trust one another. So, Sean, what uh, what do you got going on in the world? So, May 24th, a little movie comes out that is going to inspire the future of The Simpsons. Yeah? It's going to be referenced multiple times. Uh-huh. Thelma and Louise opens up. Really? Yep. Oh, I'll be danged. Uh, yeah, that gets uh, referenced quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, there's even an episode that spoofs it. Uh, what what is that? Marge, uh, Marge on the Lamb. Marge on the Lamb with which she's with Ruth Powers. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good episode. Marge will watch it when she's at Rancho de, de Relaxo. Oh yeah, she does. It does. There's uh, quite a few episodes where the epi- or that where that movie is uh, referenced. Fantastic movie. Is it? Yeah. Never seen it. Great empowering movie. That's awesome. Now, it's funny that that's uh, 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 what you brought up because. And this is a legitimate for our fans, a legitimate coincidence. Uh, at around this time, uh, there had been an article in the, the Detroit Free Press. Uh, women's rights activists felt that women should be able to fly jets just like men. It's a big article about that. And it made me think, they couldn't? And no, it wasn't until 2013 that women were allowed to and completed marine training and uh, at that time, studies were even done to see if women could fight. And by 2016, women were allowed in all branches of the military. But 35,000 women were in the Persian Gulf War, but weren't in combat. Yeah. And it just blew my mind. I, like, I, I, it's funny to think that, like, you know, because we think, like, you know, oh, the 90s were pretty progressive time, you know, blah, 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 you know. But really, when you think back... It, like I have these like kind of almost this rose tinted glasses effect where I think like the nineties were cool. Eighties were getting better for people. Right. Like I'm sure that, you know, women's rights were, they weren't as good. So mm-hmm. it, the scenes take place in the eighties, but Marvel actually makes note of this in Captain Marvel. Oh yeah. Because she's in the air force and she was a test pilot and all the guys treat her like shit because of it. Oh man. There's like a, a real scene where some guy walks up to her and he's like, hey, you know why they call it the cockpit, don't you? <laughs> and she like beats the shit out of him. And yeah. Okay, that's pretty cool. But yeah, it definitely drives home that fact that, yeah, women weren't allowed to do things in the military, really. Yeah, I, I thought that was really crazy because, you know, when I look back, I, I don't I don't think of women not being allowed in combat. But I mean, it didn't happen until, what, around 2016? Yeah, straight 
straight men were the only ones in combat back then. Yep. That's that's great. So, the episode uh, uh, starts up, and Bart and Lisa are being taken to a comic book convention. And they're chatting about uh, different comics they like. You know, because Bart's like, oh, I love Radioactive Man. And, uh, you know, Lisa says that she is a fan of, you know, Richie Rich and Casper. You know, Bart calls him Sissy Comics. And they bring up a, uh, an interesting idea that Casper is the ghost of Richie Rich. They do look a lot alike. They really do. And, I mean, it's, it's you know, the same comic book company. Uh, doing those comics. And in fact, uh, Sean, I did look up a little bit of information on Casper and Richie Rich. Do you want me to lay it on you, or do you have, already have some stuff? Go for it. Yeah, so Casper was created as a children's book in 1939 by Seymour Reed and Joe Oriolo. The rights were sold off, uh, and in 1945, Paramount made the first Casper cartoon. Richie Rich debuted in comics in Little Dot Number 1, uh, in September 1953, uh, by Alfred Harvey and Warren Kremer. The poor little rich boy. <laughs> yeah, he's called the poor little rich boy, uh, which is weird because he's the richest boy in the world. Do his parents like not love him in the comics or something? I mean, he was rich. That's how it was. Uh, fair Your enough. parents don't have time for you. Fair, true, true, fair, fair. Uh, and uh, I... So and I love the fact that uh, uh, Bart's like, you know, how do you think he died? And Lisa's like, perhaps he took his own life when he realized that, like, you know, uh, uh, like his material wealth was like, you know, like offered brought him no joy. And Marge is in the front seat. And she's like, kids, can you lighten up a little? Also, did you notice the sign in the background? No, I did not. Oh, ho, ho. I there. I found a sign in the background as they're driving. It's so fast. You you barely even catch it. It is for Bob's RV Roundup. Really? Yeah, Bob's RV Roundup. Uh, the the Bob from uh, uh, the Call of the Simpsons. God, that's a deep cut, right? I mean, I mean this is only two. Yeah, it's, it's not that long cut. ago, but it is. Yeah, super weird. I uh, also I uh, I love that Bart tries to brag about Radioactive Man, and Lisa's like, oh, he's not any more witty than any of these other like you know. <laughs> pajama wearing you know like superheroes or whatever and uh he shows the scene of of radioactive man punching a dude in the sun he says hot enough for you and lisa's laughs legitimately laughs and she's like i stand corrected that's such a good one-liner i love it that's the zing of the day right there it is indeed they get to the comic convention it's more like a i don't even know that i would call it a convention i guess it is but like it's more like a like a just like a, like a little tiny showroom. So I've been going to comic conventions my entire life. Yeah, I'm yeah. In my mid thirties, mm-hmm. and I can tell you that's how they used to be back in the early nineties. Early comic conventions, other than San Diego, yeah, were very small. They were small rooms. They were usually like a one room affair. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's basically what I grew up in. As every weekend at a comic show. Wow. Now, do you remember the admission being eight dollars? Because I wish comic conventions were now $8. No, I had dealer tickets. So I oh, right, right, yeah. right. Because uh, your uh, father uh, sold a lot of stuff at like conventions Yeah, yeah he was stuff. a toy dealer. So. That's right. Uh, 
And so I, I appreciate the fact that Bart, you know, because they see that if you're in cosplay or whatever, you know, it's like three bucks off, you know, the the tickets. And so Bart jumps into a phone booth a la Superman, jumps out and wind blows through Lisa's hair and Bart's cape. And he's Bartman, who will become kind of important to the Simpsons, but not really on the show. Yeah, it's weird. Bartman is like a big thing in pop culture. It's used a lot in like the Simpsons comic series. Yep, Simpsons comics, video games. Otherwise, uh, it's not really in anything else. I feel like that's super weird, right? Oh, that's super weird because like I had a Bartman like stuffed action tall. I had an action figure of him. I had a poster with Bart uh, Bart as Bartman. I think. I think I had a T-shirt. Like Bartman was everywhere. I mean, Michael Jackson had do the Bartman. Yeah, but. Outside of this scene, I don't think we ever see Bartman again in the show, do we? I mean, the reason why we have the Bartman stuff Mm -hmm. is because Batman was in a big resurgence right now. Tim Burton's Batman came out in 1989, right when the first season started. Right. We predate the animated series, which is about to start. So that's why Bartman was such a big thing. We're like in the era of Batman's becoming huge again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think of it from the the popularity side of Batman. I. so, uh, is this Mayor Quimby's first time talking? It might be, but, okay, so Bart uh-huh. goes up with his oh, costume. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the guy doesn't give him a discount. No, he doesn't. He's like, never heard of him, full admission. What a fucking snob. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> if a kid comes to your convention in a costume, just be nice to him. Jesus. Never heard of him. Fucking gatekeeping piece <laughs> of shit. <laughs> So we have uh, uh, Mayor Quimby talking for the first time, and he's like, you know, like, like you know, he's like, your favorite heroes, uh, like Radiation Man. And Jimbo yells, he's like, that's Radioactive Man. And everyone laughs, and he's like, and uh, I, I love that uh, uh, or, uh, the mayor says, uh, what does he say? It's like something of like the effect of like, nobody makes a fool out of Diamond Joe Quimby. Get me that kid's name. Yep. That's great. I. Uh, in the crowd, we see Jimbo, the comic book guy, Professor Frank, the kid from the arcade, and Martin Prince. It's a good setup of people up there. Yeah. But Martin Prince is missing something. He is indeed. Oh, also, uh, the mayor tells them that if they clear out by 6 o'clock, six the o'clock for the Shriners. Do you know what a Shriner is? I do know what a Shriner is. Lay it on us, Sean, because I'm still a little in the dark after looking online. So the Shriners are actually kind of similar to organizations like the Elks or the... Um, the mules. Okay. Or moose is what it is. Yeah, moose. Yeah, yeah. Where it's a group of people that get together, and the Shriners actually do a lot of things where... The mules. <laughs> the mules. <laughs> Mule. <laughs> they, they basically... The Shriners are one of the biggest donators to children's hospitals. They have their own oh. children's hospital for, fund, the Shriners Fund. Really? Yeah. They help out children who can't do things. For people who are into um, video games and things like that, mm-hmm. if you've ever been on YouTube and listened to the Angry Video Game Nerd, yeah, his daughter actually was born with a uh, birth defect, and the Shriners Hospitals helped him out a lot. So he's actually like auctioned off his scripts for his episodes, a lot of his props for things to donate to the Shriners. Really yep. interesting. Uh, that's awesome. They typically wear fezes, which is yeah. a weird thing, because we've all been over the fez in the previous episode. And I feel like every time they show Shriners in a cartoon, they're also in little carts. Which is what they would do in parades. Oh, that's like why. parades, they'd be in like little cars and things like that. I, okay, well, there we go. Now I'm getting it. Uh, but yeah, you're, uh, you're right. Uh, you, you brought up that Martin is missing something. He's missing a left Vulcan ear. 
What the hell is a Vulcan, Sean? Spock's a Vulcan. Didn't you ever watch Star Trek? Star what? Star Wars. I don't remember an alien race called Vulcan in Star Wars. There wasn't, but in Star <laughs> Trek there was. So I, I, the Vulcan are, I, I feel most people have an idea who Spock is in, you know, in Star Trek. But lay, lay a little bit of uh, lore on uh, everybody on what the hell is a Vulcan. So to put it in terms that everybody will get, especially you because you host Noobs and Dragons, mm-hmm. Vulcans are essentially space elves. Ah, I get it then. They're very logical. They're very uh, thoughtful species. They live longer lives. Okay. Space elves. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. They're basically space elves. Interesting. That's why they have pointy space elf ears. Also, can't they like not feel emotion or they, something? They don't really feel emotion. It's similar to like how some of the elves are so old that they're past emotions. Okay, in I classic D and D lore. Yeah, I get you. I. It's kind of like the high elves, so, like the high elves in Lord of the Rings, and how they don't really have emotion. Oh, okay. It's kind of like that. Interesting. I. Uh, so we see. Uh, uh, you know, Otto is in line for Jolly Jack Tate, who isn't a real comic artist or anything. But uh, nope, but he is a parody of Jack Kirby. He's kind of an homage to Jack Kirby because Jack Kirby would actually set up Jack Kirby's famous creator of the Fantastic Four, the New Gods. Okay. A lot of the more cosmic superhero things come from Jack Kirby. I gotcha. And Jack Kirby would actually do things at comic conventions where he'd like look at people's art and critique their art and like give them helpful pointers to try and become professional uh, artists. Oh, that's cool. Uh, one person who's actually said that Jack Kirby was a huge inspiration to them and mm-hmm. helped them out was Todd McFarlane, who did Spider-Man and went on to do Spawn. Really? Yeah, apparently Jack Kirby had looked at his like portfolio at one time. Interesting. I, I'm not a huge Spawn guy for comics and stuff. I never really got into reading them. But like his art is great. Like I mean, you got to give him a ton of credit. Oh, yeah, he's a great artist. Phenomenal, yeah. Uh, so... We have Otto, though, in line. He's making, like, Bus Man, who fights, like, vampires in a post-apocalyptic wasteland, and but by day is a bus rider, bus driver. Would you read that as a comic book? Honest answer, no. So if I were to buy you the Simpsons comic where they made that, you wouldn't read it? Because that is a real comic? Oh, good lord. I mean, I guess I'd have to at that point. Uh so we have uh, uh, the, them showing off old timey like uh, cigarette ads in like you know uh, classic radioactive man uh, episodes. You know where he's like, "Golly gee, Willikers, I wish I could smoke radioactive man." He's like, "Give it until you're 16, Fallout Boy." Okay, so have you ever seen the Simpsons like cigarette commercials? Or not the Simpsons, the Flintstones. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're super they're weird. super weird to watch nowadays, but yeah. the Flintstones pitching cigarettes was a thing back in the day. Oh, yeah, no, they, they absolutely were. Uh, if you go on YouTube and you search, like, Flintstones cigarettes, you'll see Barney and Fred doing ads for whatever cigarette companies they were. It's really weird. It's weird that cigarette ads were a thing back in the day. Yeah, it, like, advertised by cartoon characters. That's just weird. I've mentioned that I love the Twilight Zone, and yeah. on the Twilight Zone Blu-rays, they have the original ads that ran for some of them. Oh, really? And some of them are cigarette-based, and they're really weird to see. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. cool, cool, though. I mean, Rod Serling smoked, like, three to four packs a day. Oh, so, I mean... Cripes. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, we have Fallout Boy's actor come on, and I... I the guy who introduces him says that, you know, like, don't worry about the sordid details of, like, the, the guy who played Radioactive Man's, like, you know, final years. Dirk Richter is the Dirk character. Dirk Richter. That's or right. The actor. So 
there's debating mm-hmm. things online for who Dirk Richter's final years are in reference to. Yeah. So Dirk Richter's final years, he, Dirk Richter's obviously an amalgamation of George Reeves, who played Superman in the black and white Superman show, uh-huh. and Adam West, the classic Batman in the um, yeah. live action. So sure. the two debates that mm-hmm. people have are that the final years of Dirk Richter's life are based on George Reeves' death which was classified as a suicide. Yeah. However, there were fingerprints that were not his that were found at the scene. People think that it may have been a homicide. Oh, somebody dressed it up to look like a suicide or something. It could also be a reference to Bob Crane from Hogan's Heroes, who was murdered, and he was definitely labeled as a homicide as his basically was bashed in with a tripod from a camera. Seriously? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, so there's a big debate between which one of these is the inspiration. I kind of lean towards George Reeves since, I mean, he was the live-action Superman. Radioactive Man is basically Superman. Well, yeah, and I mean, if... if But the response that he has to it about, like, he was a good man uh-huh. was the things the cast of Hogan's Heroes had to deal with. Anytime they were interviewed, they would bring up Bob Crane and be like, what do you have to know about his death? And they'd eventually said, like, stop asking us about his death. He was a good man. Wow. Interesting. Maybe it's a, a, a mix-up between the two to some extent then? Uh, because, yeah, he uh, Bart raises his hand and asks uh, if the... Uh, uh, basically asks, what about the ghost of the bullet-ridden body in the bordello? And... The guy who plays Fall Out Boy starts crying, and he's like, he's like, he was such a wonderful, beautiful man. He like cries and runs off. Calls the kids vultures. <laughs> he calls them little vultures. But... The scene, you know, scenes uh, 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 move on and uh, Bart's, you know, talking with a comic book guy. And because, you know, Bart makes some, you know, points out some comics with Nelson, I think it is. I think Nelson shows up randomly and uh, they're talking about like like when he got like a what if issue if he was married to Larva Girl and stuff like that. And the comic book guy says that he has something very special that is supposedly worth like millions of dollars, but he'll sell it for a hundred. Radioactive man number one. Now, Sean, I, I feel like we're going to spend hours if we start talking about comics. But, like, I mean, you remember, right? Like, being in comic stores and seeing the rare comics up on the wall and be like, oh, my God, I wish I had the $70 for that, but it's so expensive. Um, no, because I had a dad who dealt in those, so I have those issues. I'm the spoiled kid who had all those issues that you wish you had. I have things like the first appearance of Punisher well, fuck you, Sean. <laughs> I'm sorry. Fuck you and your stupid fucking ass. I, I have a lot of nerdy things like that, like the complete collection of Star Wars. No, we'll move on. Between 78 fine. and no. 84. Conversation's over. Fine. Fuck no, you, Sean. Fine. No, it's over. So let's just forget the comic. God, I just pissed you off. So. Forget the comic book convention. So I do want to bring up something, oh, though. Oh, yeah. So Radioactive Man number one. Uh-huh. Worth millions of dollars, they say. Ah, uh, supposedly. In June 11th, 2018, mm-hmm. an auction went for Action Comics number one, the first appearance of Superman. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was at $2,007,500. Wow. So he's not too far off when he says could be worth like millions if it's like Action Comics number one. But it's not. 
And we know the comic book guy is very greedy. So there's no way he would sell it for $100. Correct. It is not worth that much. Because let's face it, in the 90s, a lot of comics, especially like the ones from the 80s, weren't worth that much because a lot of people saved them. After a while, people started to realize that comics were a collectible. And so by the time the like late 80s, early 90s were around, everyone was collecting all the comics that came out. Yeah, and the comic market got oversaturated with things like variant covers. Yep. You'd have like stupid 3D printed covers. There's uh-huh. all sorts of stuff. If you look at like weird comic covers of the 90s, you'll find some weird shit. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And it's funny because like I, I remember being a kid and like when new characters would get introduced or something, I would see, oh, first appearance of this character, you know, or, or a number one for a series. I need to pick this up. So I have tons of number ones at home. Like in my comic collection, but they're not worth much because they're just n- the number ones of like, you know, Spider-Man's seventeenth series. You know, at that point, it's like, well, nobody cares. Yeah. So, the quickest way to piss off fans out of a comic book is to introduce a new number one. Mm-hmm. Um, certain comics, like Detective Comics and Action Comics, yeah, have been going forever. And when DC revamped and did the New Fifty Two, yeah, yeah, a lot of fans were furious that they lost their numbering. Oh, really? Yeah, because like Action Comics had been around for like 900 issues at that point. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's kind of frustrating. But like, I don't know. It's also a new series, technically. Although at that point, why not just give it a new name? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I can see I can see being frustrated about that. And then they that. finally switched back to their original numbering, and everyone was happy. Oh, well, good on them. Now, if only the DC continuity would ever get back to what it was pre-New 52, everyone in the world would be happy. But it's never going to happen. Yeah, life sucks. Life really sucks. But this isn't my comic podcast <laughs> where I rant about comics for hours. Let's get back to talking about Simpsons and comics. So Marge has dropped off the kids, has left, picks them up with Homer and Maggie? Yeah, maybe they were they were somewhere together. I guess. Was Maggie in the car earlier? I don't think she was. I think Homer had Maggie. Huh. Weird. Maybe he took her to the park or something. I believe that when I see you mean he was sitting on the couch while she just laid in the crib. Anyway, uh, so Homer, we find out, is super into Wonder Woman? Hang on a second. Hang on a second. So Mo remembers Bart when he was a little kid. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Because Bart would be in there and he'd sing, like, the cute little song, the teddy bear picnic. He took Maggie to the the bar. He took Maggie to (laughs) Mo's tavern. He probably did. Man. Yikes. Yikes. So I need to rewatch and see if she's in the car at the start of the episode or yeah. if our dark fan fiction has just gone off the rails. I mean, it could be darker, I guess. It's not great to take your baby to a bar, but like, I guess there are worse things you could do. But yeah, you're right. Homer does have the hots for Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah, he's like, ah, because like, you know, uh, Lisa's talking about how uh, uh, she got like a whole bunch of like Lois Lane comics. And uh, yeah, you have. Homer, who's like, ah, I never saw what, you know, Superman, or I never knew what Superman saw in Lois Lane. Give me Wonder Woman. And he starts catcalling and stuff, and Marge gets mad at him. Lois Lane's awesome. I just want to point out what a badass Lois Lane is. Because mm-hmm. as a comic fan, this part always bugged me. Uh-huh. Lois Lane is the kind of person who will go up to somebody who's going against her and be like, I don't care. I just want the story. I don't give a <laughs> shit that you're going to have security guards beat the crap out of me. She is an awesome, awesome character. I, uh, 
Yeah, I, 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 I was never that into Superman, so I never really, uh, you know, read a lot of his comics when I was younger or anything. In fact, about the only Superman comic I own is The Death of Superman. And uh, as far as that goes, you, you know, I, I never really got into him. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I didn't really know Lois Lane very well. I, I knew her from, like, the cartoons you know, the old, like, 50s cartoons or whatever they were? Yeah, the, the Flesher cartoons? Yeah, the Flesher cartoons, exactly. And, you know, in those, she's just sort of a damsel, damsel to save. Distress, yeah. yeah, damsel in distress. Also, I did look it up, and we do not see Maggie in the car when Marge takes the yeah the kids. And, in fact, I don't see even the, the brief scene, uh, you know, Right before or right as the kids are getting dropped off, I do not see Maggie. So I'm going to say. She's getting drunk with Homer. Drunk with Homer. (laughs) Drinking buddies with a baby. Now, uh, as far as that goes, uh, you know, Bart's like, because Homer's like, well, let's get some, you know, crusty burgers and frosty chocolate milkshakes or whatever. And Bart's like, oh, you know, that's that's wonderful. You know, Homer, like, you know, taking us to a fine establishment like Krusty Burger. And Homer's like, what do you want, boy? And Bart wants $100 for a comic book. And Homer's like, no, no way. Well, who who did this comic book? Michelangelo? Yeah, <laughs> Michelangelo. Uh, and I love that Homer, you know, because Bart's like, please, Dad, please, Dad, please, Dad. And he's like, listen. He's like, I'm not mad at you for trying. It shows you've been paying attention. Like, I normally, like, cave into these kind of things. He's like, I'm not mad at you for trying. It shows you've been paying attention. Uh, He's like, but you and I both know I ain't giving you $100. And Bart's, like, throwing a little bit of a, you know, like a hissy fit kind of, like, he pouts. Homer says a racy line. Oh, does he? Yeah, but Bart's throwing a hissy fit. Mm -hmm. And he says he needs the money. And Homer says, T.S. Oh, yeah. Tough shit. Yeah. That's kind of a racy line for the early 90s. Yeah, it was. I mean, for the early 90s, it was. Nowadays, not so much. But, yeah, it absolutely was. Uh, This was back before you could say shit on TV. Oh, yeah. You couldn't at all, could you? Yeah. When did that change? Um, NYPD Blue, I believe, was the first instance of shit on TV. Really? Um, Yeah. NYPD Blue, really. Now... I love the fact that Marge tells the story and she's, you know, it's trying to like, uh, she tells Bart, you know, like, you know, when I was a kid, I wanted an easy bank oven and, you know, easy bake ovens for those who aren't very familiar are like, it's like a little tiny box with like a light bulb in it that heats up and they're kind of crappy, but kind of neat. They're kind of crappy, but they do teach kids about baking. And that's, yeah, that's nice. One of the greatest things I've ever heard about an easy bake oven Mm -hmm. is i went to see alton brown's live show oh yeah that's sweet and alton brown has the world's largest easy bake oven that he created (laughs) which is fantastic and he like put in tons of light bulbs and it actually really heats up it's like actually like a real legitimate uh easy bake oven his live show was great but he tells a story about how he wanted an easy bake oven as a kid Mm -hmm. and there was a big big stereotype about how you shouldn't buy your kids an easy bake oven if they're a boy yeah and now he has a career where he bakes constantly. Mm-hmm. So if your kid wants to get into something, do it. Don't care what the stereotypes are for it. Do it for your kids. Absolutely. Encourage your kids. Absolutely. Alton Brown's the fucking best, and that was the best. Yeah, he's my favorite like person of all time. Like, legitimately, he's fantastic. <laughs> so We're going to make a Good Eats podcast next. It's going to oh be like, why God. are we listening to this? Why? It, it'll only be us 
making it and nobody listening to it. I can't imagine anyone want to listen to us talk about Good Eats episodes. Good right? Eats fans, shout out to us because God, <laughs> Alton Brown's the best. Let us know if you want a Good Eats podcast. I uh, oh man, now yeah, I'm, that would be the dream. I know, right? Now, now I'm an excuse to watch Good Eats and make the recipes from Good Eats and talk. Oh my God, that would be actually. A lot of work, but tons of fun. Go to anyway. hell, Noiselander. <laughs> Go to hell, noobs and dragons. We're making things Alton Brown told us to make. Legend of Retro, you can kiss my ass. <laughs> so I love in the flashback, though, that uh, it basically caused Patty and Selma to smoke because they're like, like, because Marge is, or they want, Marge asks for money, and Patty and Selma, who are older, are like, who have very, very sing songy feminine voices are like sure we'll let you you know uh, uh you know uh, get some money from us but you got to do all our chores for us and the, it, one of them is like oh at this point now we can take up smoking or we have so much free time we can take up smoking and then it cuts to them like and one of them is like la 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 and like just have their like grating voices okay is this my dvd or are they horribly out of sync when they say we'll take up smoking Oh, I didn't notice. Like, Maybe it's your DVD? It mightn't be the episode, though. Like, I don't know if it's the actual episode or my DVD, and I want to go back and look at it in other sources, yeah. but, like, their lips aren't moving when they say things. Oh. It's very weird. Like, their lips move at the wrong time. Odd. Yeah, I don't remember there being an issue, but I, I might have been focusing on what they were saying and not paying attention to Go back to and look at it. Yeah, I'll have to. I, And I love, <laughs> I love this part where, you know, Marge is like, you know, blah, 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 get a job. And Bart's like, Mom, I can't ask you to get a job for me. You know, you're already busy with the family and, like, Maggie. And Lisa's like, she means you, you idiot, or you stupid. And weirdly enough, a narrator, a narrator comes on. And it says, in not Bart's voice, says, me? Get a job? He's like, I didn't know it at the time. And rambles on about how, like, you know, like, this was going to be a turning point for him. And this is a reference to Wonder Years. Yeah. So Wonder Years, for those who don't know, is a, a comedy, drama, coming-of-age story uh, sitcom from ABC that aired from 1988 to 1993, depicting the life of an adolescent boy named Kevin Arnold from the late 60s to early 70s. He was portrayed by Fred Savage, and there was a, a different narrator who was him as an adult explaining all these things that would happen to him. And usually it was things like this in The Simpsons, where it was like, you know, it'd be like, me, get a job? Like, you know, my dad, like, yelled at me that I had to go, you know, be productive, and I didn't know it, but this was going to put me on the, you know, like a in, like a down the road to a very terrible place or something, you know, like whatever the case may be. And it was, yeah, that's how it worked. Uh, did you watch Wonder Years as a quick side note? I did a little bit. I did, yeah, I watched it through when I was younger. I, uh... I kind of liked it. I did, too. I watched a lot of Wonder Years. I watched a lot of uh, Doogie Howser growing up. Never really watched Doogie Howser. I really love uh, Neil Patrick Harris now, but I, as a kid, I didn't really so, you know, think much of him. I don't remember if it's the Wonder Years, uh-huh. but there's an episode of an old sitcom, and I think it's the Wonder Years, because it sounds like a Wonder Years plot, uh-huh. where it's like it's got to be later, because it's like him in high school, teenager years, mm-hmm. and he goes skinny dipping with a girl. And his mom catches. And like the whole episode's premise is like not like his mom is upset with it, just that she finally realized her kid is an adult. Like he's doing adult things. And that's always stuck out in my head. And I don't remember what show that was from. Man, I I I don't know. I I don't 
I don't remember if it was Wonder Years or not, because honestly, I, I did a quick search here, and I'm not seeing any references to skinny dipping really with uh, uh, Wonder Years. So it might have been a different show. Yeah, I don't know what show it is. I always thought it might have been Wonder Years, but I don't know. Man, uh, and, like, sh- I remember the mom like watching a video of her kid like playing around naked when he's like with a hose, and she's like, oh, he's growing up. Man, shout out to anyone uh, uh, who wants to reach out to us. And if you can think of what sitcom that is for Sean, uh, by all means, reach out to us on the Discord. Uh, you can find our Discord link over at GameZillaMedia.com. But the scene progresses, and Bart needs money. So he's looking around for, like, change under the couch, cushions. He weirdly finds gum and just starts chewing it, which is really That's weird. really weird. Yeah, it's super gross. Uh, but Bart, you know, gets a big bottle of cola, and he you know pours it out, and he takes it to Apu to... Uh, you know, at uh, the Quickie Mart to to you know make ten cents. Is he from Michigan? There's your tin foil hat, people. Michigan was the only state at the current time to have a ten cent deposit. Oh yeah, yeah. Because because uh, I I I think nowadays we have more states doing that, but ten cent deposit. Ten cent deposit is only Michigan and Oregon. Michigan and Oregon, and that's it. I'm looking at the back of my bottle of pop right now. And back then, though, it was only Michigan, wasn't it? Yeah. Springfield is in Michigan, people. Now, they did have to drive to Detroit. So maybe they're in a different part of Michigan. I guess. They went through the mountains of Michigan. <laughs> so Michigan. They went through the UP. So does that mean they're like in the UP way on the border? They could be. But then if they're on the border, they're... Not getting unless the Quickie Mart is on in Michigan and and other places in Springfield are not in Michigan. I don't know. Tin foil hat time. Everybody find out where Springfield is. I mean it. it you're right. If the Quickie Mart is giving ten cents, it means that it is in Michigan. Yeah. Huh. Shout out to the Michigan and the Detroit area and our wonderful state where Springfield resides. You know, either that or the writers were from Michigan and they just kind of thought that was something everybody dealt with. Yeah, that could be. That's probably what it was. Honestly, yeah, it probably was. Because uh, I, I, there were uh, there are some people from The Simpsons that are, are from Michigan, right? I know Al Jean specifically is from Al Michigan. Al Jean. Yeah, no, that could very well be. I, he was like, yeah, and then Bart will uh, go to the store and get 10 cents for this bottle. And everyone else in the writing room was like... What? What? That's not a thing. (laughs) Why would he get money for that? What? No, all states do that. Shut up. Let's do this. Uh, Also, Bart uh, cracks open Bolivian coins that he got from uh, uh, Patty and Selma. And I love that when he takes them to the bank and only gets like three cents for all these coins, it's the voice of the sarcastic guy. And he's like, let the good times roll. (laughs) I love that voice. Sarcastic guy might be one of my favorite voices uh, for The Simpsons. And he almost always has a different body. He's got a usual body, we see. Like, oh, later on, later he on. does. Yeah, he does typically. It's he, like a, he typically looks like the guy who drove Homer to his prom. You're right. You're right. He does, and that's when he got that voice. But uh, occasionally, there is somebody with that voice who is not. Yes. Him. Uh, and so Bart starts a lemonade stand. Uh, we get another ha ha from Nelson. Yeah, lemonade's not working for Bart. No, it wasn't. Ha ha! As he rides by. Uh, Lisa makes him play off people's sympathies and changes the <laughs> sign the letters. on it. Yeah, he looks all pathetic and stuff. Uh, but uh, Bart has a different idea for what to sell. 
Hell yeah, he does. Nickel beer. Good idea. And Barney needs credit and cannot afford the nickel. So, I don't know what I think of this scene. Mm -hmm. I love that Bart has nickel beer. Uh I want a nickel beer stand. Oh my god, a nickel beer stand would make me so happy. Where's a nickel beer stand? Give me a nickel beer stand. I could totally I sound go like for an alcoholic, but I want a nickel beer. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Barney doesn't have the money for a nickel beer. That's sad. How many has he taken? Yeah, that's pretty pretty sad. And I love Ed and Lou show up. Yep, Eddie and Lou pop in and uh they're like, You got a liquor license? And Bart's like Ah, uh, you know, it's awful. You, you're probably awfully thirsty. How about uh, one on the house? And he's like, "Well, for a first offense, take the take beer." And they warning. walk off. Yeah, yeah. They give him a warning and laugh, uh, laugh and walk away. You also see Jimbo in the background drinking a beer. Yeah, he's the only young person you see. All the others are like the bar flies and stuff. And a Homer comes in, and Bo's I love. Got to be pissed at that moment. All his bar flies are gone. <laughs> I'm surprised they knew that it was happening for the fact that they never leave the bar. But Homer gets in, and Bart's like, uh-oh. And Homer breaks down, sobs, and drops to his knees, holds the empty beer cans, and cries. Which I thought was pretty funny. I love it. March, however, feels kind of bad. Bart's doing everything he can. He's, you know, trying to find money, and he's not. it's not working. So at Jake's unisex hair place, she talks with Mrs. Glick. Is this the only time Mrs. Glick is shown not living in the retirement home? I was trying to figure this out. We we see her outside uh, the Simpsons house when they when it's whacking day, and Lisa says, you know, like you know, Mrs. Glick, who got rid of the snakes in your ba- or got rid of the snakes in your uh, or the rats in your basement? And she said, Snake did. So but she- I don't know if she's really out and about or if she's in the retirement home. Okay. But this is the one time I can think of where she has a house of her own. Uh-huh. This is the first time we see a house of hers. Also, I love the uh, fact that she, you know, she's like, what does he want the money for? And uh, Marge is like, a comic book. And she goes, oh, a comic book. Boys will be boys. Which one is it? Nazi Smasher? Of course, referencing the fact that back in her day, comic books were a ton of, like, you know, anti-Nazi propaganda because of the war. So there's actually a thing about World War II oh, where yeah? um, soldiers would carry comic books with them. Oh, yeah? Because it was kind of a reminder of, of home or whatever. Home yeah. and more innocent time. Sure, sure. So a lot of dead soldiers are actually found with things like comic books. Yee. There's actually a really good point in the film Goodbye, Christopher Robin, mm-hmm. which is about the author of Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, his estranged relationship with his son because his son, he basically wrote the stories for they became a big public thing and his son started to resent him for sharing what was this thing between him and his dad. Oh. And he like goes off to war and he like learns that people found comfort in his dad's stories. Like this is something that brought people comfort when they were in death's door basically. Yeah. And he realizes what a good job his dad did. And he learns to respect his dad. Hmm. Totally fantastic movie, by the way. Really? I, 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 that's very interesting. I've not seen it. Uh, so, Bart gets sent to Mrs. Click. And she offers him, when he comes in, uh, food that I think you're going to appreciate, Grandpa. Yeah, what's she offer him? 
dried apricots, almond paste, sauerkraut candy, ribbon candy, barley pops. And what is this, Sean's favorite li- list of favorite treats? I would murder for barley pops. That sounds amazing. I love beef barley soup. I love barley in any cereal. That would be awesome. Don't get too excited there, Gramps. We might have a heart attack because you're old. Sauerkraut candy sounds pretty good, too. No, it doesn't. (laughs) I love sauerkraut. I like sauerkraut. Could you imagine a hard candy with the taste of sauerkraut? That'd be amazing. (laughs) Oh, just throw up in my mouth a bit. Uh, Bart asks who somebody in one of the pictures is, though. It's a soldier. And it was her brother, Asa, who died in World War I because he held a grenade too long. Asa? Asa? Asa Phelps? Asa Phelps died in World War II. Well, actually, no, he died in Springfield after fighting in World War II. So does is Asa Phelps related to Mrs. Glick? I could see that. She's Mrs. Glick, so that's right. not her maiden name. Yeah. I think that Mrs. Glick is related to the Asa Phelps from uh, Grandpa Simpson and the Flying Hellfish. Also, this is a very dated reference. Oh? Asa died in the First Great War, World War One. Yeah, yeah. The last surviving veteran of World War One passed away in 2012 at the age of 110. Wow. Okay. So... So we haven't had a living veteran from World War One in seven years. Yeah, that is a dated reference at this point. Man. Sucks getting old. Yeah, time sucks. It does indeed. So we have Bart taken out into the uh, backyard. I do love how Asa died, by the way. Oh, he's like, he's like, this one's for Uncle Sam and all the boys at B Company. Yeah, like he's like, even Daryl. He's like, yeah, Daryl can be a bit of a jerk, but once you get to know him, he's... And then he like just blows up and his boot goes flying. That's dark and twisted, <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> I like when Bart gets into the backyard and she's like, do you know which ones are weeds? He's like... All of them. And she's like, good boy. And she gives him a pair of shears, which are rusted. And so he throws them aside and just grabs at him with his hands. And a lot of weeds have, like, thorns and stuff. So, like, Bart's just going to really rip himself to shreds. Oh, he does. Because he comes back in the house torn to shreds. (laughs) It's so... And I love, just right before that, Mrs. Glick is watching a soap opera. The same soap opera characters we saw Marge and Lisa watching in a previous episode. Uh, the one where Bart's dog gets an F. And filthy. Absolutely filthy. But, but arousing. But genuinely arousing. And she gets iodine for Bart. Because, yeah, she uh, Bart cut himself up so bad. And... Now, iodine... Not that I have the highest tolerance for pain, but I never really had much of an issue with iodine until I put a hole in my hand and went to uh, the emergency room because uh, I was at work. I put a you know small hole in my hand and uh, um, you know because I was in the deli and and was not following proper procedure for opening a can of uh, pressed corned beef, and so I, a knife went through my hand. And uh, uh, when I went to the doctors, they uh, or went to the doctors at the ER room. Uh, oh no, uh, the clinic. It was like a emergency clinic. Emergency yeah. care. Yeah, it was like emergency care thing. Yeah, and they they said that because of the angle I put the knife in my hand, a uh, stitches would not help in the least. 
And so basically all I could do is just patch it up. And they were like, ah, oh, did you put anything, you know, for it? And I was like, ah, oh, no, not really. Like, I think I washed my hands and that was it. But, like, the bleeding just kept going, so I couldn't do much else. It bleeded really bad. And uh, they were like, all right, iodine. And I was like, what? And they poured iodine all over my hand. And it stung a bit. So I, I don't want to brag and sound like a badass Right. Because I was a clumsy, clumsy child. Uh-huh. But I have an incredibly high pain tolerance to cuts and bruises and things like that. Because by the time I was 14, I had over 500 stitches in my body. I had lost a part of my tongue. So <laughs> I have been what? through... Lost all- a part of your tongue? How did you live and laugh <laughs> and love? <laughs> yeah, I, I lost the tip of my tongue. Interesting. I didn't know that. But yeah, I've been through pain left and right for that kind of thing. Yeah. Iodine hurts like fucking hell. (laughs) I hate that feeling so much. It's funny because to me, the iodine, it only when I had a hole in my hand was I like, oh, this is a little unpleasant. I I mean, I had a hole in my leg that I could see bone through, so. (laughs) Oh, man. So, I. So, Mm -hmm. one of Mrs. Glick's things that she asked is she has Bart, like, wash her dress. Oh, yeah. So, like, Bart's just, like, fed up with with this lady, and so he's continually doing chores. And what did she call it? Like, uh, Butte? What did they, she name the, the dress? I don't remember what she named her dress. But it was Beulah? Her... Beulah. Beulah. That's what it was. Beulah. I think that's what it was. So it's her wedding dress. That she, that she dyed black to make her mourning dress. Yeah. I'm watching this episode last night uh-huh. with my girlfriend. And she, like, stopped and she, like, had me pause it. She's like, that's so fucking dark. <laughs> that's such a fucking dark scene. I just thought it was, you know, I mean, you're only getting married once if you're lucky, right? You know, turn it into a morning dress. That's so fucking dark. More people are going to die than you get married. But is it the morning dress for her dead husband? Oh, probably. That's what I assumed. Yeah. Oh, yeah, probably. That's so fucking dark and sad. We don't see a Mr. Glick. Not a Mr. Glick around. Yeah, so Bart uh, continues to do chores. He also cleans her gutters. Uh, He cleans a litter box. Get some cat scratch fever as the cat rips him to shreds. Man, that's got to do like four times the damage of a regular cut. It absolutely does. <laughs> it's, it's so, it's so, it, I love the shadow image of like Bart and he's like, not the iodine. Cause like, you know, there's got to be more iodine. He's like, not the iodine. He's like, burn it with, you know, he's like, he's like, burn, cut off my hand. He's like, burn this. He's like, but not the iodine. And like, he, she grabbed the shadow. You see the shadow of her grabbing him and like pouring iodine on him. And, um, all this for 50 cents. Now, don't spend it all in one place. Have fun buying penny whistles and moon pies. Now, I'm not sure exactly what a penny whistle is. Do you? It's a whistle for a penny. Touche. Uh, but I do know what a moon pie is. I love moon pies. Moon pies are solid. Uh, they're like the the chocolate covered like cookies with like marshmallow in the middle. What a time to be alive. <laughs> what a time to be alive indeed. <laughs> And then we have Bart come in. So before Bart comes in, he gets 50 cents. Yeah, yeah. And he says, 50 cents? 50 loud as he says, lady, I'm not going to scream. 
I'm not going to yell. And she's like, I'll tell all my friends. And she pushes him out the door. Oh, yeah. And he's like, I'm not going to say thank you. She's like, you're welcome. And then kicks him out. Homer goes to Bart. Or, I'm sorry, Bart goes to Homer as he's walking in and he's pissed off. And Homer's like, what's the problem? And Bart's like, I did all that work for that lady. And all I got was, you know, stinking 50 cents. And Homer's like, hey, when I was your age, 50 cents was a lot of money. Bart's like, really? And Homer's like, nah. Nah. (laughs) And Bart learns the valuable lesson that working is for chumps. Homer was nearly twice Bart's age when he learned that. (laughs) He was. Homer learned that at 20. (laughs) So we find that the trio of boys, which is, in this case, Bart, Milhouse, and Martin, want that. Well, really, it's, I guess, Martin and Bart want that comic book. They want... Radioactive Man number one. And Bart like talks about how he like dreamed about it and stuff. He's like talking to it through the window. So Martin offers comic book guy 40 bucks for it. Bart offers 35. <laughs> Which is hilarious that Bart offers less. And he's like, freaking kids. And Millhouse comes in. Oh, uh, also comic book guy we find has a master's in folklore and mythology. Do you have a master's in folklore and mythology? You would think I do with all the Dungeons and Dragons I run, but no, no, no I do not. Missing out, Craig. I, I am. That's what I should be doing. But Milhouse comes in, and he wants the Carl. Uh, how do you pronounce that name? Carl Ustremsky. Ustremsky. That's how it is. Thank you. The Carl Ustremsky baseball card from 1973 when he had big sideburns. Now, I took a look, and uh, Carl Ustremsky was indeed a player from 1961 to 83 for the Boston Red Sox. He had great stats. Uh, He was a very good player. Uh, Topps cards really had that specific card from 1973 where he has giant sideburns. Little mini mutton chops almost. You know, you'll learn when Simpsons mention baseball cards, they're usually real baseball cards. Mm -hmm. Because they'll also mention the baseball card where the guy's flipping the bird. And that's a real one? That's a real card. Oh, man. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into that when it shows up. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited too. Uh, and so uh, before Millhouse, you know, the comic book guy goes to get the the card. Millhouse, by the time he's back, Millhouse has talked with Martin and Bart and been convinced that they should go in on the comic book. And we find that comic book guy is maybe kind of evil because they walk outside. They have the comic. They're all excited. They go to walk off in different directions and they all go, uh-oh. And comic book guy sticks his head out, and he's like, looks like you kids got more than you bargained for. (laughs) And slams the door shut, puts on the clothes sign, and it starts to rain. So, I'm going to bring up something that I don't think any of our listeners or you would expect me to hear. What's that? I like Martin Prince in this episode. This is the first episode I like Martin Prince. You have said before that you like Martin Prince later on, but you did not like him early on, and... Honestly, he has great lines in this episode. I'll go back to hating him when he's a go-kart rival. Ah, yes. (laughs) But I like Martin Prince's portrayal in this, where he's kind of on the same level with Barton Milhouse. He's kind of nerdy, but not really. I mean, I would say that he's he's certainly nerdy. Uh, And, you know, in this episode, we see, uh, uh, you know, Bart and... Millhouse, you know, are they, we've always known they're a little nerdy, you know, they're into comic books and stuff. But really for kids back then, and even probably now, I think at least for kids, comic books aren't necessarily what makes you nerdy. No, no, you not know? at all. And so, but Martin 
it's, is it's the katana, the fedora, and the neck beard <laughs> that makes you that nerdy. <laughs> You're not wrong. So I, uh, so you know. We see some comic book narration, you know, as like Radioactive Man is like, foot caught in barbed wire, must escape. Oh no, an A-bomb. Ah, you know. I'm becoming radioactive. Yeah, so it's all this cheesy stuff. And I I love that Martin says, wow, I thought an A-bomb would have killed you. (laughs) Bart's like, yeah, but now you know better. And so they figure out how they're going to split up this comic. And I I made sure to note how it all works out. Are you ready for this, Sean? I'm ready for it. Bart has it on Mondays and Thursdays. Millhouse has it on Tuesdays and Fridays. Martin will get it on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Sundays, however, are going to come from a random number generator. What about Sundays? (laughs) Yeah, what about Sundays? A random number generator is going to take care of that. Martin has one to three. Millhouse has four to six. Bart has seven to nine. What about zero? Yeah, what about zero? Rock, scissors, paper, competition, three out of five. And we see that Martin is a little on the slick side because he says, well, as today is Saturday, I'm going to go ahead and take my comic book, gentlemen. Good day. And Bart says, nah, this comic ain't leaving this treehouse, which is rather selfish because this is Bart's place. However, they agree and they're going to have a sleepover because they're pals. That's what pals do. And we start to see their trust is eroding even more than it already has. It feels like cabin fever takes place in this little treehouse, and I love it. It kind of does. So as they, they, you know, they, they're excited about it, and, you know, uh, Millhouse is like, I want to read it again. And they're like, no way, Millhouse. Like, the acids in your, from your hand will, like, melt away the, like, newsprint. And Martin says that, you know, this comic is going to last between them forever until the last one alive will get buried with it. And Bart is like... Oh, ho, ho. So this is what you want. You want us dead so you can get that comic book. And Martin's like, I meant years from now. And like they immediately start like they push each other and they start to like choke each other out. And March pops in with milk and microwave s'mores, which sound amazing right now. And I kind of want them, but that's okay. Well, my hunger can go on hold. Have you ever had s'mores with the uh, Hershey's gold bars? No. The caramel ones? The gold bars, those are the ones with like the... Uh, like caramel and pretzel? Yeah. Yeah, they're good. Ooh. They're real good. Ooh. I feel like I need to do that. Uh, <clears throat> anyway. anyway. <laughs> uh, so Bart kind of goes a little crazy. Uh, Martin's about to go to the bathroom. He thinks he's trying to steal the comic. They tie him up. They tie him up. In fact, it's weird because Millhouse is the one who's like, let's tie him up. Millhouse has always got that dark side to him. Yeah, I guess that's true. I and so uh, I I love I love this scene. Homer's in the rumpus room, the su- weird side room you rarely see on The Simpsons. This is I think only the second time we see it. And Marge is like, Homer, it's really coming down out there as it's starting to rain. And she's like, Can you check out the boys? And Homer looks up outside the window. Lightning strikes. He sees the three boys ch- like, or he sees Milhouse and Bart fighting as Martin is tied up. There's another crack of lightning that strikes the tree, and Homer goes, they're fine. Okay, so I have a story. Uh-huh. So I have a younger brother, yeah. seven years younger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. And him and I, we're, we're boys. We would fight all the time. Mm-hmm. So one time, 
I don't remember why we were beating the shit out of each other, but we were beating the living <laughs> shit out of each other. Mm-hmm. And we admit it to the point where we're both choking each other. And I may say he's a younger brother, but my brother has got size on me. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's a larger guy, and he could kick the crap out of me any day of the week. <laughs> so yeah. we're both choking each other, like vigorously choking the life out of each other. Faces are red, mm-hmm. eyes ready to roll back in the backs of our heads. Mm-hmm. We're, we're like murder scene. Yeah. My dad furiously slams open the door and he says, hey, would you two keep it down? I'm trying to watch TV. Slams the door shut. <laughs> you think that's crappy parenting. But I'll tell you what. We both laughed so fucking hard that we couldn't joke each other anymore because it was so fucking funny. So when I watch this, I think of my childhood. <laughs> that's amazing and sad and amazing and sad. I love it. So, meanwhile, while Bart and Milhouse are fighting, Milhouse or the uh, Milhouse trips. Bart grabs the brick. That's yeah, holding the comic down. Yeah, that's right. That's what he did. Is he he started like patting it in his hand and then tosses it aside because Milhouse is like, "I'm going to tell your mom you're crazy," and he's like, "The hell you will!" and like tackles him or whatever, and they fight, and you know Martin's tied up, and uh, as far as that goes. The mill, the uh, Millhouse trips. Bart catches him, and the comic book gets caught in the wind and gets like lodged on the edge of the doorway of the treehouse. Millhouse starts crying about how he doesn't want to fall, and Bart's like, "Come on, it's only like you know twenty feet down." He's like, you know, "Maybe you'll break a leg or something." The, and, the rain softened it up a bit. <laughs> that's right. And Millhouse is crying, and Martin, of course, is in the back, and he's like, "The irony here is that if you had like tied me up, I'd be able to like get the comic book right now." And, Mar- and Bart's like, "Shut up, shut up." And finally, as Millhouse's uh, you know pajamas rip, and Bart catches him, pulls him back in. Tries to go for the comic, it the wind carries it off, and it lands in the mud. Santa's little helper comes out and rips it to shreds, runs away, and then lightning strikes it. So does that remind you of the Venture Brothers episode where they have the Marvel Comics number one, and it keeps getting <laughs> progressively worse as the episode goes on? <laughs> you know, it it hasn't, but now it will from now on. Because I, I totally thought of that when I was watching that. I'm like, oh, there goes its CGC grade. Ah, <sighs> So the sun rises in the morning. Well, actually, Marge comes in. And she she brings the boys inside, and she's like, you can play your little tie-up game inside. Man, when she comes in, there's a scene of Millhouse where his hair is wet and it's down. Uh-huh. And I don't think I've ever noticed until this scene that Millhouse's hair is about as long as mine is. <laughs> oh, I'll have to pay more attention to that scene. Yeah, like he's got really long hair that goes down to like his chin when he's like soaking wet. Crazy. Huh. I... Yeah, so so Marge brings the boys in, and the, the next morning, Homer realizes he, you know, of course, his car had the windows down, so water's all over, and the sun is, sun is risen, and the lighting effect is really interesting and cool in this scene. I really like the way it looks, and they can't piece together the comic. It's ruined, and because they couldn't trust each other, they have no comic. Milhouse says, what's your point? And Bart's like, nothing, nothing. just that it ticks me off. <laughs> And, you know, the, the final line is like, you know, a shred of the Radioactive Man comic, like a bird's nest. And the narrator who is speaking as Radioactive Man kicks back in and he's like, the world is safe again, but for how long? And it cuts out. So, Sean, what do you consider the lasting impact of this episode? So, 
up until this point, Milhouse has always been Bart's friend. Mm-hmm. This is the first episode where we see Bart like hanging out with his friends and really being kids. Also, when they fight, the theme they play is the same, the theme. same theme they use later on. Yeah, when, when they, they fight. fight. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Uh, yeah, I, I actually have the same thing written down. It's a boyhood episode. Yep. This is a very, very, like, uh, how would you put it? Like, it's, I, it's a boys will be boys episode. That's how the writers of South Park describe their episodes when it's down to earth children's episodes. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Uh, it, it's a weird sentence to say, like, boys will be boys. I know, because it's got horrible connotations. To it it kind of does. But uh, but no, I mean, it kind of is. That sort of is a good way of describing it, though, is because it is. It's Bart, Martin, and Milhouse all going. Because, like, how classic is that? Let's all go in on... A comic book. It's like that time we all went in on a copy of Little Samson, and Xander got tied up in the back, and <laughs> you and I fought over it. You know, the irony here, guys, is uh, as the controller is about to, or the, uh, the video game is about to slide off into the rain and mud, I could have saved it if you didn't tie me up. Shut up, Xander! Shut up, Xander! <laughs> <laughs> so, that is absolutely the lasting impact of uh, this episode, is that that classic kind of nostalgic feeling of, like, childhood at least for boys. And and to some extent, we see a little bit of that from Lisa in this episode, but Lisa is hardly the focal point. No, she is know, not the episode. focal point at all. It is all Bart. Great lines, but yeah, not the focal point. Uh, but yeah, as we wrap up the episode, uh, definitely appreciate everyone listening in. Uh, make sure to go to patreon.com slash GameZilla Media in order to, uh, you know, support the show if you'd like it definitely means the world to us you also have all our other shows you know on the network the gamezilla media network uh so make sure to go to gamezillamedia.com to catch all those other shows many of which i'm a part of i sean mentioned uh, uh sean and i mentioned legend of retro noobs and dragons uh shows i'm a part of make sure to check those out uh also uh don't forget that i'm on twitter make sure to go to twitch.tv slash craig underscore wk in order to see me streaming retro video games but aside from that, Sean, let's close this out. What was your favorite line of the episode? Now don't go spending it on penny whistles and moon pies. <laughs> Mrs. Glick. That's just every old lady I ever dealt with working at a grocery store. It's so good. For me, it's, hey, when I was your age, 50 cents was a lot of money. Really? Nah. Thank you.